Welcome, friends, to Merit's Musings. This is a podcast for educators in the very broadest sense. I'm a public school teacher and a youth minister in my church and a parent, someone who's dedicated his life to helping people grow. And I'm something of a writer and a poet, someone who loves language, not only for its artistry, but also its power. In this podcast, I'm going to explore some of my informal thoughts on what it means to be human, especially in the context of being an educator, a minister, and a parent. And most of the times, like this week, I'm going to orient my musings around a poem, because any time I can spend reading, thinking, and talking about poetry is time well spent in my book. I'm also likely to talk a little bit about my dogs, or maybe the feral kittens we're fostering, and if you're not the type of person who enjoys a little random pet talk, then this may not be the podcast for you. I invite you to join me in the conversation. Feel free to write me with your thoughts and feedback. My contact information is on our website, meritsmusings.buzzsprout.com, and on my Facebook page. And now, for this week's episode, number 20, I bring you the poem, I Want to Age Like Sea Glass, by Bernadette Knoll. I want to age like sea glass, smoothed by tides, not broken. I want the currents of life to toss me around, shake me up, leave me feeling washed clean. I want my hard edges to soften as the years pass, may not weak, but supple. I want to ride the waves, go with the flow, feel the impact of the surging tides rolling in and out. When I'm thrown against the shore and caught between the rocks in a hard place, I want to rest there until I can find the strength to do what is next. Not stuck, just waiting, pondering, feeling what it feels like to pause. And when I'm ready, I will catch a wave and let it carry me along to the next place that I'm supposed to be. I want to be picked up on occasion by an unsuspecting soul and carried along, just for the connection, just for the sake of appreciation and wonder. And with each encounter, new possibilities of collaboration are presented, and new ideas are born. I want to age like sea glass, so that when people see the old woman I've become, they'll embrace all that I am. They'll marvel at my exquisite nature, hold me gently in their hands, and be awed by my well-earned patina. Neither flashy nor dull, just a perfect luster. And they'll wonder, just for a second, what it is exactly I am made of, and how I got to be very here and now. And we'll feel lucky to be in that perfectly right place at the profoundly right time. I want to age like sea glass. I want to enjoy the journey and let my preciousness be not in spite of the impacts of life, but because of them. Now, there's a tremendous amount going on in this poem, and I encourage you to read it and contemplate. I'm only going to touch on a few points, but I, I could probably write and force my students to write many, many pages uh, on this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this poem was brought to me by my wife, who um, this is a perfect poem to encapsulate so much of her personality and her journey. Um, she is beautiful and mysterious and precious like sea glass. Um, and the years and life's toil have only added to her power and her loveliness and her wisdom uh, in ways that become increasingly uh, precious to me. Uh, and as the years go by, 
my amazement that I get to carry her along on my journey now, or she carries me, depending on which of us is the sea glass at the moment, um, is that amazement is always profound and full of joy. There's a reference here that says, carry me along to the next place I'm supposed to be and feel lucky to be in that profoundly right place at the profoundly right time. And I, I think that any healthy marriage that involves deep wells of love from very spiritual places has that profundity to it, that rightness to it, um, that is a mystery that continues to be plumbed over the years um, and provides such great delight um, and strength and joy. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I love this poem, is that it's a lot of my wife in a poem, and of course, she's certainly much more complicated than this poem um, ever could be, any poem could be. Those are always just shards that glimpse to a reality that we, we must try to understand. A lot of this poem speaks to the loss of control. It's written in a very passive way. The sea glass is tumbled by the waves. The sea glass waits. Um, and that's very hard for us as Americans. We hate, and I think maybe every nationality hates, uh, the idea of not having power of not being in control, and yet that is a fundamental part of being human, is that the world has forces in it that are beyond uh, our ability to control. We live in a profound state of unease, possibly, possibly anxiety, or possibly confidence, depending on our relationship to the unknown, right? Uh, and uh, what I love about this poem is that it acknowledges that uh, life is full of batterings. Unfortunately, it is. Um, but those batterings aren't always destructive. That there are, in the midst of being tumbled and tossed about, that that tumbling and tossing about is additive. Um, that it helps mold us and shape us to being better people. That it allows us to be picked up by others uh, and forms opportunities of collaboration. How often has the stress and difficulty of a situation allowed for deeper connection inside of a family when there's a problem with people who are sharing the same problem or people who are willing to help out on the problem? Uh, you know, friendships are formed and tested and built around life's advers adversity. Um, and so... That's part of what I love about this poem is this recognition that sometimes the answer isn't struggle, but acceptance. That this is going to be a difficult patch that we're going to go through. And we're going to do our best in it. But a lot of what we're going to do is wait. And that was a piece that I thought was really interesting is that uh, there's this idea of I'm not stuck just waiting. I'm pondering pausing. Uh, this makes me think of the Sabbath um, and uh, sabbaticals and all of those religious traditions that involve the value of rest, of pause, of retreat, um, that we need places and opportunities to gather our resources, to pause and think about our life. And I think this is really critical 
in our modern technological world where we are so busy all the time, uh, so much so that, you know, we're communicating 24-7, we have constant media bombardment, uh, silence, pausing, those are rare, increasingly rare. Um, our children are heavily scheduled. Our vacations are incredibly busy. Just sitting still and breathing is a rare activity, as our Buddhist brothers and sisters will remind us, don't just do something, sit there. One of my favorite books, contemporary books on Buddhism, uh, this idea that action is not always, in fact, rarely, in the Buddhist world, the best solution. Uh, pausing, waiting. In the Christian tradition, and the Judeo-Christian tradition, um, one of the things that I learned early on that surprised me greatly was that God wants people to wait. God likes waiting, right? He never really works on my time schedule and never <laughs> matches my impatience. He likes to have his people wait, not as a power move, but because that waiting provides opportunities for strengthening and growing. That, as suggested in this poem, that the wait allows for the post-waiting period to be that much better. Creative waiting, waiting that helps create something better. Uh, I think there's a great piece there that I need to learn when I work with my children and my students, uh, and that is something like patience, that I and they both need to wait. One of my mentor teachers, when I was working with sophomores, used to say, uh, Jason, the thing you need to remember is the sophomores ain't right yet. Uh, she was, I can't do the accent, she was uh, a farm girl out of Georgia and used tremendous agricultural metaphors, um, which were just wonderful. And the idea that sophomores are immature and we just need to let them ripen, and they ripen at their own pace. And when they ripen, they will be ready and amazing picking them now, focusing on them now, pushing them now isn't going to do any good. Again, that idea that we can't control the growth of someone else. Cat Stevens said, uh, only the soul knows how a flower grows, right? I think I pushed that quote, in which case, uh, Yusuf Islam, feel free to get angry with me for misspeaking your great lyrics. <laughs> so, why have I picked this poem? I've got this idea about the loveliness of aging. I have this recognition and acceptance that I have so much less control over my world than I would like, and I need to learn to live with that. I have this idea that waiting matters um, and that it can be tremendously beneficial. But the last piece, taking the poem as a whole, makes me think about resilience. Coming out of the pandemic, I hope, and as we return to something like more traditional patterns of behavior. I, I think a lot about how my students responded to the stress of the pandemic and how difficult it is to be an adolescent just in general as you're sorting through issues of identity and relationships. And then you take that stress of adolescence and add into that the stress of a modern world. And then you toss the pandemic on it and high school, 
and demanding teachers such as myself. And there's a lot going on that is negative in a lot of my students' lives. And we see that with the epidemic of mental health challenges. Uh, I know I've had a number of students, quite a number of students, uh, wrestling with depression, wrestling with anxiety. Um, I've had to work with some students uh, in the last couple of years dealing with issues of self-harm. And unfortunately, I've had students uh, choose to exit this world rather than deal with the stresses of this world. Um, And that is not uncommon anymore. Uh, And so issues of resilience are an important idea that keep coming up again and again and again in education circles. And I think it needs to come up in every circle. How do we overcome negative stress, turn negative situations as positive as possible without denial in a way that we can then move forward. How do we use that waiting, pondering period so that we're ready to catch the next wave to move forward, to move on? Um, And there's a lot of work being done around resilience, a lot of studies, a lot of discussions about uh, social emotional learning, all of which has been tremendously helpful for me as an educator. Um, But a couple of things that really struck me as I was thinking through this is the importance of self-awareness and self-reflection. Self-awareness, of course, is recognizing uh, that we are stressed out, which many people have trouble sort of acknowledging stress is the cause of these behaviors. Stress is the cause of my headache. Stress is the cause of my... Uh, indulgence in uh, negative uh, coping mechanisms, etc. Um, and sometimes self-awareness means we have to acknowledge and admit where we have made mistakes and put ourselves in negative situations. Um, the other side of loss of control, we have some control and sometimes we misuse that control. So self-awareness helps us sort of acknowledge, okay, this is where I'm at and this is why I need to be resilient. And then... The self-reflection piece is to attempt to learn from the situation. In my class, I've really tried to normalize the idea that failure happens in schools, uh, that it's a normal part of the education process. In fact, it's a necessary part of the education process, that a person who does not fail uh, at times is not trying, is not pushing themselves. Uh, In sports, One of the great aspects of sports is the recognition that you have to lose games as well as win them to keep advancing. Um, And uh, I think that self-reflection is an opportunity that we in school can uh, encourage. Um, I've been doing and encouraging a little more journaling with my students. Um, I I wish that I had um, been more mindful of encouraging my daughters to do more journaling so that they might have had a chance to do some more reflection. Um, So that resilience, of course, allows then people to become sea glass, right? To recognize that we are going to get beat up a little by life. There are waves, there are storms. Um, But we are, can be, tough enough to survive them, a lot of them. Um, And a lot of that strength comes from the relationships we build uh, with each other and, of course, 
the relationships we build with the holy. Um, and between all of that, we get the strength to endure the battering and rest up so that we're ready to catch the next wave so that our preciousness is not in spite of the impacts of life, but because of them. So with all that in mind, I encourage you to age like sea glass and to help others age like sea glass so that you value people for the struggles that they've been through and acknowledge that beauty comes not from perfection, but from thriving through adversity. And that I hope that you get your opportunities to be in a profoundly right place in a profoundly right time with a profoundly right person. May God bless you all. Talk to you soon.